0: Father's Day, everybody. There we go. Once again, happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, I'm here. Gail is not. Um, Because it was Father's Day, they decided to call in an expert in the area. We're waiting for that person to arrive still. (laughs) Um, uh, Gail wanted to spend some time at the Adrian campus, so I volunteered to speak here today. Which may be a mistake because I chose to speak on Father's Day, and I am daily and constantly reminded how much work in that area I have um, to do—a lot. Uh, it's funny. A lot of times when I've when I've spoken, um, the messages that I speak are the messages that I need to hear the most. So, if this is for nobody else but me, then I will selfishly take it because. I need a lot of work in this area of being a father. So um, with that being said, let's get straight into it. Um, so I want to share with you, a uh, little boy was asked one day, you know, what's the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day? And the little boy said, well, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the gift. And <laughs> <clears throat> so my question is, What gift? I guess I shouldn't be that upset about it. My uh, my daughter did give me a gift yesterday. We were, as you guys know, we like to camp a lot, and we were out at the campground, and when we first started going out there, both of our kids were, were very little, and we've continued to go to the same campground, and, and now they're older and bigger. but and, um, So they've gone participating in the events out there and now to, even to the point where they're leading some of the events and it's kind of neat because my daughter is actually, they've hired her on this year to do some of those things and she was leading the crafts yesterday uh, for the little kids and um, they have a pavilion there and she came running out of the pavilion and she's like, Daddy, 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 I got you your Father's Day present, I made it for you, here it is, I give it to you and it was one of the crafts and she was really excited about it and she handed it to me and I wanted to share that with you guys. I don't know if you can tell, but it's supposed to be me. I said, thanks, son. for reminding me how much of a monkey I look like. And she said, but Daddy, I tried to make sure to include all the gray hairs in your beard like you have. My Father's Day gift. Gray hair. Mon- monkey impression. So there, so there. you, you know, I mean, let me say, this is coming from somebody that's going to be a freshman in high school next year. So now you see why I have so much gray hair and look so monkey-like. But I'm going to keep that right there and treasure that for the next couple minutes. Um, Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in the last seven years. Do you remember that of your dad, Um, Bill Cosby, who I know is not necessarily the most popular person right now? um, He wrote, "Now that my grandfather is a or now that my father is a grandfather, he just can't wait to give money to my kids. But when I was a kid and I asked him for 50 cents, he would tell me the story of his life." How he got up at 5 a.m. when he was 70 years old and walked 23 miles to milk 90 cows and the farmer who he worked for had no bucket so he had to squirt the milk into his hand and then walk eight miles to the nearest can. (laughs) All for five cents. The result being, Bill said, I never got my 50 cents. But now he tells my, he tells my children every time he comes into the house, well, let's see how much money old granddad has for the wonderful grandkids. And the minute that they take the money out of his hands, I call them over to me and I snatch that money up from them because that's my money, says Bill. came across this um, little, little uh, thing here. It's called the world according to dad. And so these are some words that most dads have probably uttered at some time or another to their children. And dads... This is going to require your participation. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever said any of these phrases, and be honest. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Thank you. Only one person, only one dad in here has ever said that. This is, okay, raise your hand if you've said that. How about this? Quiet, I'm watching the ball game. Oh, a little bit more honesty as we go on. Um, Don't forget to check the oil. Any dad ever said that? All right. Bring back all the change. (laughs) How should I know? Ask your mother. When I was your age, I walked five miles to and from school each day, and it was uphill both ways. Uh, this one was one of my personal favorites. You are going, and you will have fun. <laughs> Probably my second favorite. Who's paying the bills around here anyways? Anybody ever said that one? Get your feet off the furniture. Your mother will kill you. No dads have ever said that? Okay. Get down from there before you kill yourself. Wait on second thought, go ahead. (laughs) Anybody ever say that one? Quit playing with your food? Be quiet. Can't you see I'm trying to think? All right. All right, so, yeah. Oh, I know we've said this one. I'll even let you finish it. I wasn't asleep, I was just resting my eyes. And I suppose that as we go on in fatherhood, we could probably come up with some more quotes to add to that list because we know that being a parent and a father can be a very interesting and trying experience. Someone once said that parents spend the first part of a child's life urging him to talk and walk, and then the rest of the childhood telling him to sit down and be quiet. I remember when my children started walking, a wise older lady said, are your kids starting to walk? And I said, well, they're trying. She goes, trip them. (laughs) I said, what? She says, trip them. And I said, well, what do you mean? You'll find out, she said. Yeah, I found out. Um... There was another father who said to his daughter, what's wrong, Judy? Usually you talk on the phone for hours. This time you only talked 30 minutes. How come? And Judy replied, well, it was the wrong number. (laughs) I remember when I was in college, I wrote a letter home to my parents. said, please send food packages. They only serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner here. (laughs) Um, So as we know, (laughs) are you guys laughing at that one? So as we know that both parenting and fatherhood is oftentimes a real trial, and yet even a real blessing. And and group, we're here today to worship God, and we're here today to honor Him, but we're also here today to honor our fathers. So that's what today is all about. And, and I don't have anything super in-depth for us today, um, but I'm hoping that some part of this that the Holy Spirit would use to touch you. So as we worship the Lord, and as we honor our earthly fathers, and as we do both of those things, Um, I, as I was preparing, I had two statements come to mind, um, for today's talk. Um, first would be fathers that potentially hurt us and fathers that were a blessing. And, you know, we saw up in the video today that one way or another, our fathers have an influence on us. And sometimes that is through hurt and sometimes it is through blessing. So let's talk about both of those. And for those of you that may have had a father who was Potentially hurtful. Um, I want to encourage you, and the first thing I want to talk about is forgiving your father. So, if you had a father who hurt you, I want to I want to ask you to consider forgiving them. Um, I think we've all probably been to a funeral of a of an older gentleman, and you see maybe some of their older uh, that that person's kids there, some of their older kids, and for some reason or another, one or more of them maybe have a grievance against the, the father that's passed away that's been going on for years and years and years about something that that father did or failed to do. And it, it can be an awfully difficult thing sometimes because you want to be able to tell that person, well, wait a second, perhaps you should consider forgiving him. I mean, after all, he was a human. He made mistakes. I mean, who amongst us have, has not sinned? And we would want our own personal children to forgive us if we were if we had sinned. We'd want our children to forgive us. Maybe we should consider forgiving our parents or our fathers for something that they did wrong. Um, on the cross, Lord Jesus looked at his executioner surrounding him, and he even prayed to his father, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Um, that comes from out of Luke chapter twenty-three, verse. In this case, we say, I say, forgive your father. He may not have known what he was doing. Forgive him anyways. One of the shining lights in Jewish history was King David. Um, now, if you know King David, he's a singer and a poet, and uh, oftentimes called the man after God's own heart. Um, he was kind of like the model example of what a godly ruler should be, however, I bet to some of his children, he probably was not that at all. He was anything but an example to them, anything but a role model. Um, out of Second Samuel in chapter twelve, we or chapters twelve through eighteen, we see the story of Absalom. Um, he was a young man, had an extraordinary promise, extraordinary uh, character. And his his life was kind of hijacked by by an assault of his sister and his half brother, and um, when when Absalom saw that his father David wasn't going to do anything about it, he kind of took matters into his own hands, and then and he ended up killing Amnon, which was kind of like the perpetrator in there, and then he fled for his life, knowing that David would probably come after him and and, and would be enraged and punish him and punish him. Um, but even in that situation, David kind of stood by and kind of passively stood by and did nothing. And then that too caused Absalom to become enraged with his father, David, and, 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 and eventually, um, led to this full scale rebellion, um, to overthrow, overthrow the throne, uh, King David's throne and seize the kingdom and then eventually resulting in his own death. But I bet, and that's kind of, long story short but i bet that absalom ha- had the thoughts in mind about his father david about what a terrible father david was and here we hear and we learn from we learn from the bible about what a great ruler david was and a man after god's own heart and a and a wonderful king and as a father i'm sure that his son there just thought he was terrible I'm sure we can probably even hear him muttering a phrase like, oh, yeah, what a godly man. Ooh, after God's own heart. What a joke. What a hypocrite he was probably saying about his father. And I bet you it would not be the first time that a church leader's father, um, that a church leader's child knew his, his or her father differently from how the world saw him and came to entirely different conclusions about him. Sometimes I think that, let me rephrase that, a lot of times I think that in my own life. How will my children view me as their father versus a man outside of the home that maybe other people view me? Perhaps there's people in here today that say, oh, Patty, you know, he's such a great guy, or he does this, or he does that, or whatever. Would my children say the same thing? Hmm. Probably not. And that scares me. And that hurts me. And more so, it probably hurts them. And we wouldn't fault them for thinking that way. We wouldn't fault we wouldn't fault Absalom for for his anger. He had every right to be angry at, at David. But what we probably wish for is that Absalom would have found it in his heart to forgive David. That's what I wish for. That he would forgive his father for the wrongdoings in his life so that he could be freed from that hatred and that and that um, resentment and that anger, I bet that if your father had done something to you and i and i I'm not trying to play counselor here at all because I don't know everybody's situation, and everybody has to make their own judgment on what they do, but I bet if your father if there was some anger or hatred or bitterness built up towards your father, your father would probably wish and hope and pray that you may forgive him too. So, if that's your case, I would encourage you to do so. And 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 some reasons that I that I would ask you to possibly consider forgiving your father is first, he's human. Uh, he's prone to failure. Um, he falls a great deal short of perfect. According to Romans three twenty three. We've all come short of the glory of God. And Psalm uh one oh three fourteen reminds us all too well that that, um reminds us all too well that he that God himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. Um another reason you might want to consider possibly forgiving your father is that not only is he human, but you're human too. And this means two things. First, you're a lot like your dad in the way that you're flawed too. And being human, you're going to require an extra dose of grace at some point in time in your life too. And you'll need that in order to be able to forgive him. Another reason is your, your father is the product of a flawed world. And he's the product of flawed parents as well. I think it's easy to, to believe that our father's Chose to be an alcoholic. Chose to be abusive. Chose to be um, demeaning. Chose to be um, w- insert whatever. But if we if we think that if we believe that we're trying to hold him totally responsible, but we need to remember that he was a child once too, and God only God alone he only God knows the extent of of how your father was damaged due to his parents and their failures or his, his worldly environment or however the world impacted him. So just remember that he's a product of a fallen world too. Uh, another reason, you'll eventually want some mercy, so it's well that you show mercy to others. Uh, Matthew 6.12 says, Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, and then forgiveness, lastly, opens up a grace channel. So when that grace channel gets opened up, um, it allows that resentment to be washed away. It allows that daily supply of God's grace that you'll continually need. Um, Pastor Gary Inrig writes, um, Forgiveness is ultimately an act of the will, not a stirring of the emotions. For a Christ follower, follower it's a choice to obey God and to let it go. This is an inward choice that produces a declaration given, a promise spoken. I forgive you. When I speak these words, I declare that the issue between us is dead and buried. I'm saying that I will not rehearse it, review it, or renew it. When it comes to my mind, I will take it to the Lord, and at the foot of the cross, not to you. This reminds me a lot of when I get into an argument with my spouse and we're bickering back and forth with each other which I'm sure we're the only ones that have ever had that happen and eventually it comes to a point where one of us finally surrenders and says that's it, I give up, I give up, I surrender, I give up and that like that like surrender that forgiveness opens up that channel of grace and it's like it just kind of comes flooding in it just kind of it just kind of that act of surrender just kind of opens up the grace gates and tears down any walls that we built or we let the enemy built in my house we call that being more mature so i don't know who's more mature Okay, so anyways, that's kind of the hard part of this message, is forgiving. But let's think about the flip side of this. How about celebrating our fathers, thanking our fathers? Um, So I want us to think about some of the things that we should say, thanks, Dad. The first one is thanks for material provision. Um, In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, that's kind of powerful, isn't it? If a father does not provide materially for his family, food, clothing, shelter, so on, then he's denied the faith of Christ and is worse than unbelievers. Why would such a father be worse than unbelievers? Why would a father like that be worse than unbelievers? Because even unbelievers do that. Even unbelievers provide for their families. In my personal life, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that my father is still around. I remember as a child, my dad always providing for me. We were not, by any standards, poor at all. But we weren't well off, by any means, either. I do remember times, very vaguely, um, when I was young, that it was all my parents could do to put the next meal on the table. And I remember the years and years and years that, that dad took a second job where he drove Um, AA um, patients to their meetings in the evening, and that would mean that he didn't get home some evenings till after midnight, wouldn't even see Dad those days. Um, I remember times when... um, or I can't remember any times growing up when Dad ever took a sick day, even when he was sick. I remember our family vacations as kids always consisted of some place in Michigan and a leaky tent while my friends were going off to far-off magical places. Um, I remember loving every minute of it, too. I remember when we were kids, Dad got us involved into karate class, and um, there was a time we wanted to go to the national championships, and these took place in Arkansas. And we had to find out a way to come up with the the money to to get us there and to participate in hotels and gas and food and stuff like that. And we literally spent every evening, every weekend, for months upon months upon months sorting through paper, different colors of paper and different types of paper that Dad got from, from where he worked, so that we could take that paper to the recycling plant and get paid a penny a pound for it. And I remember we still have pictures of our entire two-car garage being filled from wall to wall, floor to ceiling, of boxes of paper that we had to sort in order to take to get recycled for a penny a pound. Mind you, I would I thought, hey, we should wet down the paper before we take it. It'll weigh more. But well, we never did. Um, in order to, to be able to pay for for us to go there. And it it, it all paid for a trip to Arkansas. So do I think that my dad provided for me? Yeah, I do. I don't honestly ever remember missing out on anything. What about your dad? Did he provide for you? He probably did. I think we need to thank him for that. If he's still alive, thank him. If he's not, at least give thanks to God that he did. There's this... um, Preacher Boyce Moton, um, out of Carl Junction, Missouri, he said these words about his grandfather, which I think are appropriate for today. Um, Boyce said, "My grandfather came from Kentucky. He married a Kansas girl <clears throat> He married a Kansas girl and settled down in an Indi- in Indian territory, which later became Oklahoma. They had sixteen children. It had never occurred to my grandfather that the government should take care of his family. That was his responsibility. He was a law officer before statehood, but became a sharecropper in order to feed his family. Their poverty did not discourage him from the personal pride of caring for his own. He raised his children without the benefit of electricity or running water. He died without ever having a driver's license. His children, nevertheless, grew up to be hardworking, patriotic, and devout. I'm confident that in spite of his poverty, he did a better job of providing for his own than anyone else could have. So let's thank our fathers for material provision. Let's also thank them for faithful instruction. Uh, Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Funny how I've heard this from my wife before. Um, we as fathers, we instruct our kids about many things. Um, my dad used to say to me, he always called me Pat. Pat, pay attention to what you're doing. I don't know why he always said that to me. I find myself saying that to my son don't you pay attention to what you're doing? Can't you see that you're spilling that all over the side of the bowl and it's going on the table and, and now it's all over your hands and then you just walked it to the trash can and it spilled all over the floor? And you're Just watch what you're doing. Like they did it on purpose. But Dad, if I was watching what I was doing, I couldn't have spilled that all on purpose just in order to tick you off. Um, so now with my kids growing up, I find myself saying the same things to them. Especially like being a teacher, one of the things that I say to them, don't be afraid to ask questions in school. You're never going to learn anything if you don't ask questions. Maybe you've instructed your children in some wise ways, the same way that your parents have, or that your parents had instructed you. Like maybe perhaps you've said something along the lines, well, I don't care if everybody else is doing it, you're not going to. Dads, have you ever said that one? Why do all the dads then been to look at their sons? Um, so fathers have given all kinds of instructions to their kids, things of like school, work, relationships, so on and so forth. Um, there was this one man, he said of his father after he passed away, more memorable, more memorable than my household responsibilities were the endless streams of corrections that came my way. My father never stopped correcting me. Just a short while before he had passed away, He looked at me from his hospital bed and said, Why don't you get rid of that belly? This man went on to say, I gave reverence to my earthly father. I was afraid not to. He would have taken a belt to me if I had dared disobey. He tried to teach me anything that would help me in life. I was thumped on the back a thousand times and told to straighten up. He insisted that I take my elbows off the table, stop eating like an animal. He never hesitated to tell me to wash my face, comb my hair, brush my teeth, or shine my shoes. Sometimes he would say, you act like you fell out of a hickory nut tree on your head. Or worse, he would say, you'd have to go to summer school before they'd let you in the insane asylum. A man named by the name of Jim Burton said these words about being a father. Maybe some of you can relate. When I was young, baseball was my life. You can imagine the excitement that I felt when my oldest son began playing. This game would be one of our main bonding mechanisms. If my son would just listen, I could help him be a great baseball player. Learning to read curveballs, shift his body weight with the swing, steal bases, turn double plays, these things separate the amateurs from the pros. Burton said, A pattern developed in our relationship. Because of my familiarity with the game, I saw every mistake my son made. In addition, I knew how to correct him. So post-game drives became a critique of how to improve his game, which soon got old for my son. One night he finally said, Dad, could you not start by telling me everything I did wrong and tell me what I did right first? Father's faithful instruction is important, but we have to be careful how we deliver it. That's something that my wife has been instructing me on lately. It's not what you're trying to teach them. It's how you're delivering it. She says to me often, it's your delivery. It's your delivery. All criticism and no praise is good. All criticism and no praise is good, is not good, excuse me. All criticism and no praise is not good. Remember, all criticism and no praise is not good. So when we're done with service today, I'm going to thank my daughter for the gray hair that she put on my monkey picture. And I will not criticize that. So let me ask you the question. Are you a coach or are you a critic? Remember in Ephesians 6-4, Paul had said, and I'm going to read from a different translation now, don't keep on scolding and nagging your, nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Let me give you this sad confession of one father. This struck me hard when I came across it. I took my children to school, but not to church. I, t- I taught them to drink, but not the living water. I enrolled them in Little League, but not Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not be fishers of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that church was full of hypocrites and made the greater hypocrite of them and me. I gave them a color TV, but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but did not give them the keys to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a good living, but failed to bring them to Christ, who alone can make a life. Faithful instruction, dads. Faithful instructions. Let's thank our fathers for faithful instruction. And let's thank our fathers for a godly illustration. And what I mean by this is, a godly illustration for life, or a godly example for life. In First Corinthians 11:1, Paul said to the to the church in Corinth, um, who were who were like his children in faith, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Now I want you to notice here, Paul didn't say do everything I do. Paul said do everything I do, which is Christ-like, or follow the example of Christ. Paul wasn't perfect. And dads, neither are we. A couple of, uh, I'm going to be transparent with you guys here. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we as a family had gone to, had gone to Lowe's to get some, to get some supplies for things we were doing around the house. And, um, I got frustrated pretty quick with trying to find them, as I typically do. And I got frustrated because I didn't have my glasses and I couldn't read what the product was saying. And I got frustrated for this reason and for that reason and for the other. And I'm not saying being frustrated is an excuse. I'm not making an excuse. But I allowed myself to, let's say, use a a naughty word into Lowe's with my frustration which my daughter promptly heard. And my wife pointed out. <laughs> and I obviously was not a very good example because a couple days later she said, well, I guess my daughter said to me, well, I guess it's okay to say that stuff now if you're angry and lows, right dad? Okay, so point well taken. So maybe I'm not always the best example but it doesn't mean that I stop. It doesn't mean that I stop going for that godly illustration. There's some things in my life, there's some things in your life that I don't want my children to do, and I'm sorry when I've given them that bad example. But on the flip side, I think I've done some good things, some godly things, some Christ-like things, which I hope that they copy from me. I hope that they copy that from my life. And one of those most important things that I hope that they copy from my life and that I think that maybe you would hope that your children would copy from your life is loving people. One man said to his father, once when I was a teenager, one man said of his father, once when I was a teenager, my father and I were standing in a line to buy tickets for the circus. Finally, there was only one family between us and the ticket counter. This family made a big impression on me. There were eight children, all probably under the age of 12. You could tell that they didn't have a lot of money. Their clothes were not expensive, but they were clean. The children were well behaved, all of them standing in line, two by two, behind their parents, holding hands. They were excitedly jabbering about the clowns and the elephants and the other acts that they would see that night. One could sense that they had never been to the circus before. It promised to be a highlight of their young lives. The father and mother were at the head of the pack, standing proud and as tall, could be the mother was holding her husband's hand looking up at him as if he was as if to say you're my knight in shining armor he was smiling and basking in pride looking back at her the ticket lady asked the father how many tickets did he want and he proudly said please let me buy eight children's tickets and two adult tickets so i can take my family to the circus the ticket lady quoted the price to him the man's wife let go of his hand. And her head dropped. And the man's lip began to quiver. The father leaned a little closer and said, How much did you say? The ticket lady again. <clears throat> she quoted the price. The man didn't have enough money. How was he supposed to turn to his family and to his eight children and tell them that he didn't have enough money to buy tickets to take them to the circus? Seeing what was going on, this man says of his father, seeing what was going on, my dad put his hand in his pocket, pulled out a $20 bill, dropped it on the ground. And the man said of his family, we weren't wealthy by any means. Dropped it on the ground. Then my father reached down, picked up the bill, tapped the other man on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, I believe that you dropped this believe that this fell out of your pocket. Of course, the man knew what was going on. He wasn't begging for a handout, but was certainly appreciative for the help. And in a desperate, heartbreaking, appreciative of the help in a desperate, heartbreaking situation, he looked straight into my dad's eye, took my dad's hand in both of his, squeezed tightly under the $20 bill, and with quivering lips and a tear streaming down his cheek, replied, "Thank you. Thank you. This really means a lot to me and my family." I have the worship team come back up as I finish this story here. So the man telling the story about his father said, "After that, my father and I, we went back to the car we drove home, and we didn't go to the circus that night. But we didn't go without. What a father was that man. What a godly illustration of Christ was that man. Thank God for all fathers who have been a godly illustration and godly examples to follow. Dads, we're going to screw up. We're going to screw up big time. If you don't believe that, Come on over to my place. I'll show you. But we're going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we stop. It doesn't mean that we stop being a godly example. It doesn't mean that we stop providing. It doesn't mean that we stop encouraging. It just means that we keep going. We keep plugging on. So dads, I encourage you today. And people who have dads, I encourage you as well. Let's remember what our fathers have done. Let's thank them for that. And if it's a time for forgiveness, then let's allow forgiveness to enter our heart. And if it's a time for celebration, then make sure that you celebrate your earthly father today. But as we said right before offering, don't forget about your heavenly father too. So let's pray and uh, we'll continue in our worship today. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, who you are and that you have been a grand example to us and that you have been what a father should be, even in the times that our human fathers have not been that. Father God, we do thank you for our human fathers. We do thank you for our earthly fathers. and Even though they make mistakes, as we all do, we just give you praise for them. Lord, as we get ready to sing this next song, the first line of it starts with "to the fatherless, and that's what we know of you. So let's keep that in our hearts and in our minds as we sing those words together today. In your name we pray.